Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Thank you so much for asking me to come and share from God's Word. Normally, us missionaries only ask to come give presentations. Open your Bibles to Psalm 27 this morning. We'll take a look at one of the great songs written by King David. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, as we look at this song written thousands of years ago from the heart of a man who loved you and from the heart of a man whom you loved, speak to us in this great song. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Fear is one of the most common emotions that we humans face, is it not? It's probably the most common of all emotions. And what is fear? Have you ever thought, what what is a definition? You almost have to use the word to be afraid. (laughs) Basically, fear is when we imagine, that's the key word, when we imagine losing something of great value. That's what produces fear. Maybe we imagine losing our job, and we're afraid. We imagine losing our dreams in life, and we become afraid. We imagine losing our marriage. We imagine losing our children. We imagine losing our physical health. Whatever it is that your treasure is, and you imagine losing it, that's what produces fear. And it's a destructive emotion. God doesn't want us to live in fear. He didn't create us to live in fear. We're doing psalms right now uh, in, in our church. We did it with our teenagers, and now I'm doing it with our staff. You know, Psalm 1 is the introduction to all the psalms. I don't know if you know it, but the psalms actually is five books, and each of the books of the psalms correlate to the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And each of the books has a different purpose based on the Torah, part of the Torah that they're referencing. But Psalm 1 and 2 together serve as an introduction to the whole thing. And the Psalms are being introduced by saying, blessed are they who, what? Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. So we have two worlds. There's the the world of the blessed, right? Is that where we are? We're over here. And then there's the world of the wicked. And Psalms 1 and 2 contrasts these two worlds. And it says, if you want to be here in the world of the blessed, the ones who have a great life. That's what blessed means. If you want to have that great life, then you want to stay here. The problem is we start to walk over here, right? We're always tempted to walk over here. And if you keep walking over here, pretty much you're going to find yourself standing here, it says in Psalm 1. And after you stand here long enough, you're just going to sit here. You've invested. This is where you are now. And unfortunately, there's no blessedness in this life. This is the destructive life. God wanted us to be here for the great life. And he says, if you want to be here, you have to do one thing. Meditate. Blessed is he who meditates on the law, which is what the Psalms is. Psalms referring to the Torah, the first five books. In other words, in the word there, meditate, by the way, in the Hebrew, it means to murmur out loud. So the idea is, you know, whenever you find yourself walking over here, you've got to start murmuring God's word. That's wrong, that's wrong, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not, whatever, right? You memorize God's word, you start murmuring it out loud, and it drives you back to hear the blessed life. And so now we come to Psalm 27, and we deal with this thing called fear. 
You know, we want to be here having the great life, but we are often full of fear. We're afraid of losing something. Sometimes that's why we come over here. We're afraid of losing maybe a loved one that we want to marry, and they're not living for God, and so we'll come over here because we don't want to lose them. Or maybe it's opportunities in business or whatever. We tend to come back over here because we're afraid of losing something. But God says, I want you to stay here. I want you to have the great life. This is what I created you for. And so he gives us Psalm 27 so that we can murmur it out loud when we find ourselves being tempted because of fear to move over in this direction. And so let's take a look at the psalm written by King David. He begins with a very solid defense against fear. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is our solid defense. Three things we learn about the Lord here. First thing, it says, the Lord is my light. What does light do? It tells us when things are ahead of us that we're a little afraid of because we don't see what's ahead of us, the light makes it clear. It lights the way. In other words, we could say that God is our guide. We have a God who wants to guide us. He shows us what we cannot see. He illuminates the way that we are to go, and that is what God does. He lights the way. He sees everything. He guides our way. I remember this last summer, we went spelunking. If you don't know what that is, it's cave exploring. And we went to two caves. We did them in the wrong order, though. First, we went to a closed cave where you had to make reservations and get the lights. And, you know, it's not for the tourists. It's not for the general public. And it's very adventurous. And the next day, we went to the public cave where you pay money, get a ticket, and walk through. It's all lit up. You don't even get a headlight. You don't get no lights. You get nothing because the whole cave is just lit with lights all the way through it. And so it was kind of a letdown. We should have done that one first with the kids, but we did that second. And so we're going through this cave, and our way is lit. The whole cave, there's no fear walking through this cave at all. And they also carved it all out, you know, so you're not, we're not bumping your heads. You know, over in this cave, there are places we had to crawl through little holes, you know, and other times we had to... Uh, climb down mud cliffs to get farther down into the cave. So it's really, really exciting. Here we just kind of walk, you know. No fear, no problem. So we buy our ticket. They say walk a kilometer, uh, which is about a half a mile, through the cave. You'll get to this big stop sign. When you get there, there'll be somebody there to take you through the rest of the cave. So we're walking through. We got about halfway through this kilometer walk, and the electricity went out. And also the kids are going, wow, this is much, you know, because they're complaining, this is boring, this is boring, you know. This is... Also, the lights go out. Also, now it becomes more exciting. Well, for us, it becomes a little fearful. <laughs> Fear comes out. I don't know what's ahead. I'm leading these kids into this cave. Do I go back? I can't see to go back either. We hear them from the entrance yelling, you know, come back, come back, electricity's out. And so us adults have no idea what to do. Luckily, we had kids with us. And the kids knew exactly what to do. They all pulled out their phones with lights. <laughs> And so we just continued on in the cave and got to the stop sign and waited electricity came on and then we could go through the rest of the way. But that's the way God is. He's our light. As long as the way is lit for us, we can confidently walk. There's no fear, right? And that's what David's saying here. The Lord is my light. And then it says, the Lord is my salvation. Not only does the Lord guide us, but the Lord guards us. 
He is our salvation. He saves us. He keeps us safe. He is my salvation. He is my guard. So David starts out by saying, the Lord is my guide and the Lord is my guard. Again, I go back to that first cave, you know, because our guide was our guard. When you first came to these caves, you're not even in the caves yet, and I'm already afraid, because we get there, and this is a huge cliff that we have to climb up, and all there is is this rope hanging down from this door way up there, and I've got to climb up with this rope. You know, I'm 52 years old. I don't do this anymore. So already instant fear, but it was no problem. He not only guided us, he guarded us. He helped us move up in, in the dangerous areas. He was there to help and hold us as we got up through the cave. He always told us what was ahead when we had to go through the little teeny holes. He would tell us which way to go, whether it's better to go head first on your stomach or whether it's better to go head first on your back or whether it's best to go you know, feet first on you. He knew everything, how to get through that cave. He was not only our guide, but he was our guard. I remember this one place, this hole, and it was basically a bottomless hole that we had to jump over. And so he put his one foot on one, and he would guard us and help us each over that so no one would slip and fall to I don't know where. <laughs> but it was a long ways down. I couldn't see the bottom of that. So this is who our Lord is. He is our guide, and he is our guard. And then it goes on. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He's also our refuge. He's our fortress. He will not let me be attacked without protection. He's my stronghold. He protects me. It's like he, he holds me. So David is saying, here is our solid defense. We have a God who guides us. We have a God who guards us. And we have a God who holds us throughout the process. Whatever it is you are afraid of losing, this is the God who is with you. This is our strong, solid defense. Nothing will happen to me that does not pass the approval of this great God. Isn't that good news? Nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing will happen to me that does not meet the approval of this God. He is my guard. He is my guide. He is the one who holds me in every circumstance, in every relationship. I am well guided. I am well guarded. And I am well held. Amen? This is how David faces fear in the beginning. And, of course, then he asks the question, whom shall I fear? And the answer is no one, <laughs> no thing, nothing. We fear nothing because we have a God who guides us, who guards us, and holds us. Do you know how well protected you are by God today? Look at verse 2. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. When people turn on me, when people try to take me down, when people try to destroy my life, these are my enemies, right? These are my foes trying to destroy me. But not always. They could be loved ones as well. It could be somebody. It could be your, a coworker at work. It could be a family member who's trying to bring you down. Someone close to you, that hurts even more when it's a parent or a spouse or a colleague at work or a child. But David says, it's not me who's going to be brought down. Do you see that? It is they who will stumble, not me. They may try to take me down, but I am the one who will not fall. They are the ones who will fall. People will do bad things to me, 
but I don't fall because I know who guides me, who guards me, and who holds me. Back to my solid defense in verse 1. It's not me who's going to fall. It's going to be them who is going to fall. Nothing will happen to me that does not meet the approval of my great God. Therefore, David says, I am afraid of nothing. Whew. What's the most terrifying thing you can imagine right now happening? What is that treasure, that thing that you're afraid of losing? For David, his greatest fear was an army encamped outside the wall of his city. It's the king's greatest fear. He says, verse 3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. David is not afraid of this army. What if the enemy begins firing arrows? No problem. I am not afraid. It doesn't frighten me, David says. Well, what if ISIS approaches your village? I am not afraid, David says. What, what if cancer invades my pancreas? I am not afraid. What if, if the fights in my marriage bring my marriage to an end? I am not afraid. They will not create fear in me. They will not shake my confidence because I know who guides me. I know who guards me. And I know who holds me. I am not afraid of anything. David says, that's the solid defense. And now David gives us a solid strategy in verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Not two things, not four things, not 16 things. One thing I long for, one thing I seek. What is that? that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What is this one thing David asked for? It's not, please provide the money I need to solve this problem in my life. It's not, please heal my marriage. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for that, but that's not the one thing David's asking for here. It's not, please shrink my tumor. David says one thing, and here's the strategy. I want to be where the big guy is. I want to be next to the big guy, right? Because when you're next to the big guy, you have nothing to fear. Now, when I bring my daughter into church on Sunday morning, I never see her until the time I leave. I don't know. Somebody grabs her, and she's passed around all Sunday to, you know, throughout the church. Eventually, by the end of the day, someone will return my baby to me. And they love it. They love this little girl being passed around. But, you know, if that little girl gets afraid, who does she want? She wants the big guy. Or the big girl, mama too. If she's afraid and she sees me or mama, she wants us right away. And I always tease the congregation. She's not coming to none of you when she's afraid. You may like holding her. <laughs> she might be nice to you. But when she's afraid, she doesn't want any of you. She wants the big guy. She wants the big girl. She wants mama or daddy. And it's the same with us. David is saying, you know, if you want to feel secure, 
The one thing I want is to be near the big guy. <laughs> this guy who's going to guide me, this guy who's going to guard me, and this guy who's going to hold me through all my problems. This is the one thing I want, and this is David's strategy. Be near the big guy. That's a great strategy, isn't it? Is that the one thing we ask for when we are afraid? It ought to be. I want to stay close to that Scott. I want, I want to move into his house, David says. I want to be by this big guy. And then verse 5, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Notice he doesn't say he will end my day of trouble. People think that when you become a believer, all your troubles end. No, actually, it's the opposite. They tend to multiply more, don't they? If you're honest about the experience, you don't come to Jesus and suddenly all your problems are go away. But God takes us through those troubles. That's what it says. He takes us through our troubles. He guides us through those troubles. He guards us as we're going, and he holds our hand as we go through these. He's there in all three ways, as our guide, as our guard, and as the one who holds us. And David says, he hides me in his shelter in the days of trouble. He conceals me under the cover of his tent. What is this shelter? What is this tent that David is feeling secured? It's the belief he had in verse 1, that God is my guide, that God is my guard, and God is holding me as I go through these troubles. This is the tent that we are sheltered in uh, and that we are covered in. Our troubles will not take us down, David says. They will not defeat us. Why? Because he says here, end of verse 5, he sets us high upon a rock. The world's trying to bring us down. The enemy, Satan, is trying to bring us down. But God lifts us up high on a rock. That's not being knocked down, is it? That's being lifted up high. They will not defeat me. Verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies. Who surround me. See, the troubles are still there. The enemies are still right there. But God lifts us up over the enemies. They're all around us, but we're lifted up high because it's symbolizing they are not going to bury me. They are not going to bring me down. I will not fear. Instead, what does David do? At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. David is saying, instead of fearing, I'm going to have a party. What? Does that make any sense to you? Is that the, your first response when you have troubles in your life, when you're afraid? Wow, I'm afraid. Let's have a party. <laughs> you know, it's not our first inclination, but it is here for David. David says, I'm going to have a party. They're coming in. They're trying to kill me, and I'm singing. And that really is the message of the psalm about four psalms over. Very famous, you know, Psalm 23. Let me go over there real quick. We're over to Psalm 23. You all know this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You get down to verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemies are still there. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. David is saying, when the enemies are all around me, what do I do? I bring out the best silverware. I bring out the best dishes. I put on the prettiest tablecloth. I'm hanging balloons around the room. I'm having a party in the presence of my enemies. David says, my cup over 
flows. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm afraid, my cup is empty. Isn't it empty sometimes when we're facing fears in life? David says, yeah, sometimes I'm scared to death. I'm scared of cancer. I'm scared of being unemployed. We're scared of our marriages falling apart. We're scared of our children rebelling against the Lord. We're scared of Russia invading the rest of our country. Speaking about Ukraine here. We're afraid. Our cups are empty. We're scared to death. What causes David to party? It's important for us to understand this. Why can David party when he's facing troubles? Because when we receive troubles in our life, it amplifies what a great God we have. You've got to understand that. If you had no troubles, you would go through life without a relationship with your creator because you wouldn't need them. Right? It's troubles that drive us to our God. The greater our fear, the more thankful we are for our God for what he has done to help guide us through it, guard us, and to hold us. We appreciate God more when we experience troubles. Now, don't take this the wrong way. We don't have a needy God who's, oh, they're not paying attention to me. Fine, I'll bring troubles into their life, and then they'll come back to me. You know, but that's not, that's not the application here. God doesn't need us. We need him. If you want to stay here and have the great life, see, there's a lot of temptations over there. We want to sacrifice the great life for some fun moments, don't we? And God knows that. And the only way that we can stay here is if we have a relationship with God. It's not that God needs us. We need him. And God is saying, if you want to stay here, if you want to have a great relationship, sometimes when you start heading over here, I'm going to let you experience pain. I'm going to take some things away from you because I want to drive you back to the great life. And that's why David's having a party. He's saying, God loves me enough that he brings problems into my life to drive me back to a relationship with him. And in that time, I can have that great life. Because when things are going great, we tend to forget about God. We don't need God. But when we need him, we are so thankful that he is there. And so we celebrate now that God is in control. Because it's the only thing that's going to get us through this trouble. Because God is going to guide us. God is going to guard us. And God is going to hold us. We have a solid defense. A God who guides us, guards us, and holds us. We have a solid defense. Let's get close to the big guy, right? And we could end the song right here, right now, go home and have our Sunday lunch and dinner, right? It's been a great message so far. It's been a great song. Amen? We could end it right here, but it doesn't end here. Something happens here. Something's going on in David. And he continues. Head back to Psalm 27. We get to verse 7. Hear my voice. When I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. What does David mean? Hear my voice. Be merciful. He just proclaimed, 
I am afraid of nothing because God is the God who guides me, who guards me, and who holds me. And when I experience troubles, I have a party. But God, please be merciful to me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we feel God's not listening to us. We know these truths. We know that it's a God who guides us. We know we have a God who guards us. We know we have a God who holds us. And we know when we stick close to that God, <laughs> the big guy, that we're going to be well defended. But we still fear, don't we? See, that's what I love about the Bible. It's very realistic. It doesn't end on the note saying, yes, you can all, don't worry about fears, you know, and then go home. God's saying, I know. You know all this, but yet you still have fears. David still has fears. When I call, Lord, be merciful. Answer me. Be merciful? This God just said, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to guard you. I'm even going to hold you through your... How much more mercy do you need? David says, oh, Lord, please be merciful to me. Verse 8, my heart says of you, seek his face. I know I want to, I know I want to go by the big guy. Your face, Lord, I will seek but don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. I, I know that, Lord, but this time don't reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. God, you told me to seek your face, and you told me to hang out in your house, and right now I, I feel like you're hiding from me. It's like, you know, you're out having a good time in life, you know, and you're over here hanging out by the big guy and not worrying about life, not thinking about God at all because everything's going fine. All of a sudden a problem happens and you turn to look for the big guy and he's not there. Where's God? You know, and you panic. You know, where, I, I thought I was standing next to the big guy and all of a sudden he's not there and, and, and I can't find God. Do you feel like that sometimes, that God is hard to find when you're in your troubles? I want to stay close to God and but when I'm not paying attention, poof, <laughs> he's not there. And we lose sight of God. And we feel like God is not there right now for us. And he goes on, do not reject me, do not forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. What's going on right now in David's life? I think it's the same thing that happens in our life. Just when our life is going well, just when we feel so close to God, just when we're celebrating that victory over the last problem we had, our fears come back with a vengeance, don't they? We find ourselves afraid again because we have a weakness in our armor. That's the problem. That's why the psalm doesn't end. God knows we have a weakness, and our weakness is our imagination. Our imagination gets us every time. Our imagination goes wild. For example, you make a mistake at work. I don't know where you work, but let's say you make a mistake and it costs your company money. You imagine the next day that everybody in the office is talking about you. You imagine that your boss is right now looking for your replacement. You imagine this huge loss of income you're about to experience. You imagine losing your house and being unable to pay all your debts. And then you imagine your friends leaving you because you're penniless. And then you imagine yourself looking through garbage just to stay alive. And you imagine dying 
all alone. All of that in just 60 seconds. That's our weakness, our imagination. Now, that might not be your fear, but you have your own trail of imagination that has led you to the fears that you are experiencing right now in life. Oh, for me, every time I get that pain in my chest, you know, I had a heart attack two years ago. Whenever I get a little pain in my chest, my imagination takes off. Oh, am I having another heart attack? I imagine I'm having another heart attack. I imagine I will die. I imagine my little Vika will never know her father. I imagine I'll never see my grandchildren. And all that happens in 60 seconds. <laughs> Our imagination. You see, we left the house of the Lord, we left the, the celebration, and now we're in fear. And it has immobilized us. Again, our fears quickly return. Now, I know what some of you are saying. saying, Gee, thanks, Doug. When I came to church this morning, I was feeling pretty good. Now you got me scared to death. <laughs> we have a weakness in our armor. It's our imagination. Like David, we wonder, where are you, Lord? God, you say to seek my face. Well, I've done that. I just can't seem to find you here in my trouble. I feel like, God, you're hiding from me. Don't get angry, David says, for me thinking this way. Don't forsake me. I'm just telling you how I feel. I know, Lord, that the chances of you abandoning me are much less than my parents abandoning me. And I know my parents would never abandon me. So I know you're not going to abandon me, but I still have that fear. I have this weakness in my armor. What are your fears today? I know you have them. I have them. We all have fears. We're all human. You know, big one for me is failure. Ooh, I'm afraid of failing sometimes. Got all these dreams that I want to do in Ukraine. What if I fail? If I fail, Orangeville Bible Church might stop supporting me. And if they start supporting me, how will I buy food for my family? And, and the fears come, you know, <laughs> whenever we're afraid of things. Or maybe it's a loss of love from someone special to you. You're afraid of losing that person. Or you're afraid of a downturn in the economy or something bad happening to your children or some life-threatening illness. I know we all have fears. I have fears. You have fears. But we keep our fears to ourselves because we don't want anybody else to think that our lives are falling apart. So we come to church. How are you doing today? Great. That's our response, right? Everything's great. But deep down, things aren't great. We're afraid of people seeing who we really are. We don't want other people to think our lives are falling apart. We want to be looking like we're people that have everything all together. You may look at me and Marina and think, boy, <laughs> they have it all together. What a great couple they are. Well, it's true, but we don't have everything together. <laughs> Not even close. Ask my kids. <laughs> They're good witnesses right there. We can't hide from your kids. You can't put the mask on in front of your kids, can you? I think there's only one thing worse than not having your life all put together. That's pretending you have your life all put together. Verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Lord, I need your way to level out my path. That's a great prayer. Teach me your way, Lord. You know, we would never pray that prayer if our life was going well. Lead me in a straight path. 
Don't turn from me. This is a prayer that none of us would ever pray to God if we never experienced problems. Fear awakens our faith. And David says, verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David says, I have faith. How did he come to that faith? How did he have this faith in God? Going through the problem. It's going through the problem, seeing how God guided him, how God guarded him, and how God held him through those troubles creates this greater faith in this God. That's what our fears do. So let those fears drive you to God. Now, if we were to write this song today, we would write verse 13 and 14 differently because David's looking for that day when the Messiah would come. He's waiting for the Lord. He's saying that day is going to come because, because we no longer have to look for God. I believe there's a time where oh, the Lord's no longer going to be in the temple and I have to go and find him and stand close to him. The time is coming when the Lord is going to be with me here in this life. And that's the advantage you and I have that David didn't. We don't have to look for God. God has looked for us, and he is with us now. The Holy Spirit is in us. We may forget he's with us, but we don't lose that. And that's a great advantage that you and I have today. We have the good guy. We don't have to look for him. He is with us. If you're a believer today, that spirit is with you. God is with you wherever you are. If you're not a believer today and you want the big guy with you, it's very simple. You know, all you have to do is admit that you need him. You have to admit that you have been rebellious against this great God who wants to guide you and guard you and hold you and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I want you to be the God who guides me, who guards me, and who holds me. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Believing that Christ died on the cross to pay your penalty for sin. Because what's dividing you, what is separating you from this great God is your sin. And Jesus said, I even came to die for you. That's how much this God wants to guide you and guard you and hold you. He came and died for your sin as well. And if you want to have this God with you all the time, that's all you have to do is believe that Jesus paid the penalty on the cross for your sin and say, I want be with this God who guides me. For others who are believers today, maybe you're experiencing fear right now, something in your life. Your imagination has gone wild, and you just need some prayer. Uh, you, need, you, need, you need to talk to someone. Don't keep it into yourself. You, know, you don't have it all together, and the person you share with, guess what? They don't have it all together either. It's okay. None of us have it all together. Get that burden out. Talk to a friend about your fear. And praise God, have a party. Why? Because you're going to get through that problem. Guarantee, you will get through that problem. Not always the way you want to, but you will get through it. You will look back on this situation in your life, and you're going to say, gosh, God guided me through that. He also guarded me, and he held me the entire time. We don't need to fear fear. We can look at fear as an opportunity that we are going to grow closer to this God. We're going to have a stronger relationship so that we stay here, as Psalm 1 says, in the blessed life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great song of David. 
as you've shared with us, Lord, this great defense that you are the God who guides us, who guards us, and who holds us, Lord. And you've given us the strategy, Lord, because you could hide from us, but you've chosen to be with us, Lord, and protect us as we go through our problems. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we do experience problems because we know with you we will get through it. And on the other end, Lord, we'll have a stronger faith in you. We will be stronger as people. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this song of encouragement. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.